They called us monsters, so monsters we became. We are monsters out of the closet. I'm Nicole. And I'm Shreya. A bite from a rotten apple, the twisted remains of an animal at the side of the road, the slow decline of a human body. Rot so often turns the stomach and inspires dread as it signals the unstoppable march of death. This episode explores the murky and putrid line between vitality and decomposition. When is a person really dead? When they stop breathing? Or when the rot sets in? Our first piece follows a medical nightmare where our protagonist continues on despite the fact that their body has not. After is an audio play written by Nicole Kalan with performances by Sarah Wheatley as the protagonist, Kim E as the nurse, Thara Rangan as the doctor, Max George and Cole Burkhardt as orderlies, Max Fidalgo as the medical examiner, and VXN as Michael. Please be advised that this piece carries a content warning for body horror. Seriously? If I ever wake up from this bogus coma, I am filing a complaint about your appalling musical taste. Ugh, God. This is so boring. I need a drink. Hey. How are vitals? No change. Brain death likely occurred during the night. Kidneys Wait, are what, failing what do you mean brain death? I- I'm still here. Hello. Do we have the consent? Yes. Go ahead. What? Wait, wait, wait. What are you doing? Stop! Alright. Time of death. 4.13 No, 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 no. I'm alive in here! Hey! Requesting two Anybody? For body transport. No. This doesn't make any sense. Your machines are wrong. I'm still here. I can't be dead. Hey! No! Put that- put that back! I'm still- Using it! (sighs) Take the body to the east wings, Mark. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. All right. You! Incompetent! Shitheads! God! If I could just... Move. I would... Am I in a body bag? Oh god. Oh god. Doing a happy hour today? Nah, the girlfriend needs a ride home tonight. 
Vicky, right? The one from the holiday party? Yeah. Nice. She seems great. How long has it been? Like five months? Closer to seven, actually. We're planning a trip to Chicago next month. If I can swing the time off. Afternoon. Afternoon. Who do we have here? Our special today is the mysterious coma patient from the third floor. Join us as we figure out what the fuck was going on with them. Paperwork? You're such a killjoy, McAdams. Here, you have the okay for autopsy. Autopsy? Hmm. We're not harvesting? No, no please! Nah, I- I'm alive! I have to be! You- the liver shot to hell. You've made a mistake! Well... We'll see if the autopsy turns anything else up. Thanks, guys. Oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, you're gonna kill me! Oh my... You god... You goddamn murderer! Move! Wave! Twitch, please! Anything! Don't let me die, you stupid autopsy body! Autopsy record for page The time is... 4.19 p.m. Oh on God, June oh God, 17th. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, this can't be happening. Starting this can't decision. be happening. This can't be happening. Just, just calm down, okay? Calm down. <sighs> I, I, I'm... Okay. I didn't feel it. What's... What's wrong with me? Why can't I feel anything? Swinging open the ribs. Oh! Am I... Am I dead? No. I can't. I can't be dead. Alright. Taking organ samples and. Boom. Oh, wow. On initial observation, patient has several critically damaged vital organs. The liver shows the beginning signs of cirrhosis. And the stomach has two. No. Four ulcers. The lungs are covered in some sort of polyps. Wait. There's some sort of organic substance coating the organs. It looks like... Mold? Collecting the sample now. Jesus. What did you do to yourself? I've I never didn't seen do this to myself. This is I should probably This is all wrong. I just went in for a rash on my foot. How did the I end up like this? The majority of patient's organs are in an unidentified state of atrophy or decay. Moving to examine oh, the brain. Fuck. Let me out. 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 You never could stop. What? What's... what's going on? Nothing was ever enough. 
not until you blacked out or passed Uncle? out or both. Mikey, 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 it's me. I'm so Maybe that's fucking sorry, really Mikey, want. but I'm here. Avoid oblivion. I'm not nowhere. I, I'm here. I I, I'm in this, this death. Festering no hangovers, corpse. no more crashes and falls, no Shit. more mistakes and consequences. Please, please, You're gone. please hear me. Finished. Done. Good. Now I can be done with you too. Live my own goddamn life. No one else is coming. You can bury the body now. Mikey. Mikey, please, no. God, no, I'm sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. Wait, 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 no, please, please, I need... Why can't I stay gone? Is this some sort of sick punishment? I have to lie here listening to myself rot. Can the world move on without me? Fuck that. Maybe I deserve this. Michael always said I needed more me time. Time to reflect. Well, here I am. All alone. With nothing but the maggots and worms for company. what happened. Maybe I would have slowed down a little. Had fewer drinks. Made more friends. Been a little happier with myself. But instead, I barely showed up for my own life. These past couple years, and now... <sighs> now I guess I've missed my own death. I'm just... stuck. <sighs> oh, fuck. Well, this is one hell of an after-party. I'll probably be here a while, so... Might as well. Our final piece, Deathless, looks at a bleak and ruined world where hopeful hearts look beyond the decay towards vulnerability and intimacy. Deathless was written by Emma Johnson Rivard, Laura is played by Lucille Valentine, and Gemma is played by Tal Manir. Narration is by Shriya Venkatesh. Please note that this piece carries a content warning for slurs and adult language and situations.
The end of the world wasn't like the movies at all. Even though the skies actually had split open, the dead had risen from where they dropped, and you would think anything that inherently cinematic would be following some kind of script, building off the original classics to usher in a new age of screaming and gore, right up until the world really did end and it was time for the curtain call. Something that would put Romero to shame. Only, it didn't go like any of Lara's favorite movies had led her to expect. For one thing, the world didn't end. It blipped and changed, threatening to go belly up like her middle school goldfish, but just like Mr. Bubbles, it had all been a fake-out. A little cosmic gotcha moment before things righted themselves and went about their business largely unchanged. The zombie apocalypse on the whole had been a massive disappointment. For one thing, the dead girl sitting on her bed wasn't even rotting. To her great disappointment, Lara's job in the apocalypse was shockingly tame. People came up to her room in the old hotel, paid in wrinkled bills or sometimes a credit card if they could get the scanner going, and they would lie down on the bed. Then. Lara would hold them close. Usually they'd spoon, sometimes she'd even comb their hair. The client could request anything from 10 minutes to 3 hours, depending on their need and available funds. Most of them fell asleep before it was done, and exactly none of them, man or woman, had ever asked to fuck her. Secretly, Lara was quite offended by that. Of course it was against the rules, and of course she would have been obligated to decline, but it would have been nice to be asked. The dead girl had not asked to fuck her. Lara forgave this only because the dead girl had paid with a little bundle of gold dental implants, no doubt liberated with pliers, and that, at least, was something you didn't see every day. Lara sat down next to the dead girl, hands in her pockets. She wore a loose shirt and yoga pants, a sports bra strapping down her tits. It was sad the world had come to this, that her literal job after the apocalypse was dressing up in soft clothes and forgoing her favorite push-up bra so the wire in the cup wouldn't accidentally poke anyone while they cuddled. You can take off the sweatshirt if you want. The dead girl looked away. She was all bundled up in scarves and layers of old shirts, handkerchiefs wrapped over each bony wrist like that was going to hide anything. She was one of the dry ones, the zombies who died under their new red sun five years ago and woke up to find their insides all turned to dust. For their troubles, they turned to jerky. The other zombies, the bleeders, didn't last all that long. They rotted and dropped pieces everywhere, and they cried. God, how they wailed. You could hear them crying down in the sewers sometimes under the manhole covers. At least the dry ones made things interesting with their uprisings and occasional spats that turned to massacres, or at least they had been interesting back in the days when it had felt like a real apocalypse. They'd been good monsters then, the stuff of nightmares. 
God, Lara missed the days when the dry ones had been scary. Now they just shambled along, empty-eyed and traumatized like everyone else. My name is Gemma. Her skin was paper-dry and pulled tightly over her cheekbones. The skull was visible in places, underneath the dead wave of what had once been very black hair. Hello. It's been four years since I died. Congrats. Lara patted the dead girl on her bony shoulder. We should get shots to celebrate. I could take yours, if you like. Gemma shook her head, not looking at Lara. She seemed to be watching the lava lamps instead, the gentle play of colors over the wall, and the shadows they left, like the Rorschach tests Lara used to take before the world went strange. What do you see in this, little girl? What do you see? What she didn't see, and had never in fact seen, was an adventure, which seemed like a great injustice to Lara. There should have been an adventure if the world really had left her alone, otherwise it would be very hard not to start crying like the bleeders and never stop until her head rolled down off into the sewers. There really wasn't much use in crying, was there? The dead girl smelled like sandalwood. That was the first thing Lara realized as they sat there watching the lamps. The dead girl called herself Gemma and she smelled like the Hindu shrine the neighbors used to keep in the duplex the old Lara had shared with her family. It was a quiet, smoky sort of smell, not at all like perfume. Lara put her hand on Gemma's head, over the hood of her sweatshirt, and held it there. Do you burn incense inside your ribs, Gemma? The dead girl nodded. I like it. It smells nice. It's lavender and sandalwood. Gemma bowed her head. I was a virgin when I died. Lara shifted to wrap her arm around Gemma's shoulder, resting against her. In the movies, this had been the staple move of boyfriends, intent on charming their soon-to-be girlfriends. She was certain none of the girlfriends had ever burned sandalwood and lavender inside their rib cages, but that was one way the end of the world had deigned to make things interesting. But you loved someone. Lara closed her eyes, following the script. It was one of many she so dearly loved. There's always someone. It's okay. I had a first too. We never fucked either. Slowly, Gemma curled her bony fingers around Lara's wrist. There was a girl. Of course there was a girl. We sat together in class. She wore earrings that looked like strawberries. Gemma was quiet for a long time. There was no sound except for the hum of the lava lamps and Lara's careful breathing. Then the dead girl shifted and squeezed Lara's wrist. We held hands once. It does you in, holding hands. Lara bumped her head against Gemma's. She was careful not to do it too hard. The zombies, who everyone called Deathless, broke so easily. Even more than sex. No one warns you about that, Baby Dyke. Nobody's handing out condoms for when you take the big plunge and get close the first time. It wasn't the first time Lara had said that. Like everyone, she followed a story. She'd said this line many times, in front of the lamps, on the carpet, or spooning some sad nobody on the bed. The words never changed, and Lara had turned the memorization of them into its own special art. 
It was the first time she'd said those words and thought, just for a moment, that there might have been some truth to them. Honesty was a strange feeling. Lara closed her eyes and rested her head against Gemma's. She inhaled deeply and thought about sandalwood, how it must have crumbled inside Gemma's chest, how the smoke would have risen out of her mouth like a dragon. The dead girl squeezed her wrist again. Can we just... stay? Lara hummed, her eyes still closed. She held the dead girl close and imagined for a moment what it might be like to hold someone warm, someone who still bled when struck. But then she remembered the sandalwood and the careful way Gemma held her wrist, like a nurse taking someone's pulse. She thought, all right. You want to hold hands, dead girl? Gemma shivered. Lara kissed the side of her head over the sweatshirt. It tasted like dust. I'll be your girl for a while. It's alright. I haven't got those strawberry earrings, but we can pretend. It was a dangerous thing holding hands. It was the first step to falling in love. Like the apocalypse, that was another thing the movies had gotten wrong. Hesitantly, Gemma let go of Lara's wrist. Can you love me? Just for a little while? Lara offered her hand. I will tonight. It would make a good scene, Lara thought. Part of it would even be true. The dead girl shivered again, and then she took Lara's hand, gently, gingerly, and for the first time. Hello, Lara. Nice to meet you, baby dyke. Their hands rested there, bone and breathing flesh, and the lava lamps cast beautiful shadows over the walls. Take a moment, dear listener. Look around you. Check for decay. On the plant on the windowsill. In the week-old takeout in the fridge. A scab on your knee that hasn't quite healed. Nothing? Look deeper. Is there perhaps a spot of rot within you? Whatever you do, don't let it spread. Thanks again to Emma Johnson Rivard for contributing to this episode, and to Lucille Valentine, Tal Minier, Sarah Wheatley, Kim E., Dara Rungan, Max George, Cole Burkhart, Max Fidalgo, and VXN for their performances. A special thank you also goes out to Mariel Kaland and Cameron Seagraves for assisting with this episode's production. Featured music and sounds were created by LJ Cruiser and Eric Matias. To learn more about our pieces, artists, and readers, please visit our website, monstersoutofthecloset.com. Thanks to our patrons and supporting producers, Dara Rangan, Lindsay Holt, Sarah Lopez, and Luris Kaland, who make the show possible. And to you, dear listeners, who keep this show from decomposing. Our next episode, Vengeance, will be released later in September. In the meantime, stay up to date with podcast news, submission calls, and our bad habit for horrific puns at monstersoutofthecloset.tumblr.com and at pod underscore monsters on Twitter. Until next time, Monsters Out. <laughs>